It's got a long way to go, but it's, Praise the it's Lord, coming. he's going. Yeah, it's coming. Awesome. <laughs> of course, remember Israel. Always. Always. Yes. Remember our pastors. Always. Remember each other. And I've often said it, if you don't have a prayer buddy, find you one. Somebody that you can feel like you can call and say, hey, I need prayer this evening. And Or, you know, those days where you just get, like yesterday, I was just ticked. I was just mad yesterday afternoon. I needed somebody other than Lynn to call and say, pray for me, I'm just angry. Uh, you can always <laughs> the. Uh, been on the, I've been on the road a lot, and I'm just really, really tired. And you know, us little boys, when we get tired, we Even get cranky. Even without them, be tired. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, Friday I drove to Greenville and back for drove to Greenville, South Carolina, for just a 30, 45 minute meeting, maybe an hour meeting. Drove back home. That's almost a two hour down and yeah. two hours back yeah. for a short meeting. It is. I, I'm just, I'm tired. I think I'm going to go home and do something I normally don't do, and that's take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but I am off tomorrow from work, well, so I'm going to get some rest tomorrow. I hope. I took it off. Lynn gets it off, so I took it off to be you know, able to harass her. <laughs> Any other prayer request? Always America. Yes. Barbara Evans wants us to pray for her family. Uh, Tonda. Cable's watching this morning, so let's remember her in our prayers. Uh, my brother is safely back home, but he says he's going to be watching soon, so we'll see. Uh, remember him in your prayers. Don't want another episode like he did a couple of weeks ago here. That was uh, not a pleasant Sunday afternoon, let me tell you. He hasn't had another. Not to our knowledge. If, it was a, if he had one, it was a small one while he slept but nothing major like he had. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand here this day. You've heard the spoken and you know the unspoken as well, Lord. Lord, we ask that you'll touch and that you'll move on those with illnesses, with sicknesses, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll remove heart blockage, Lord. Lord, that you'll touch and spread your your feeling, your spirit all over this country, Lord, all over this world, Lord. We ask, Lord, that your revival starts, but it starts here with each of us today, God. We ask, Lord, that you'll anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. We are on verse 4 of Habakkuk, and I laugh every time I go into this study I think of a, and I won't name the person, they actually come to this church, but I invited them back here to Sunday school, and they was like, what are you studying? I said, Habakkuk. And they went, what? I said, Habakkuk. What's that? They need to be back here in this Bible, in this Sunday school. Uh, but a lot of people don't study the minor prophets. We've been studying... The minor prophets now, we started with Hosea, we started five years ago, guys. And we have just now got to Habakkuk. Maybe we're moving too fast. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it's been five years we've been on this journey. And a lot of people don't study the minor prophets for whatever reason. 
they think that there's nothing there. There's no meat. But I think we've discovered in the last five years that each and every one of the preceding uh, minor prophets has had something for us. Habakkuk is no different. Verse 4 of chapter 1 says, Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. How many times have we looked at America's justice system and realized that it is broke? Now, it's still the best in the world. Don't get me wrong. It is. But sometimes it doesn't feel like there is any justice in yeah. this country. You know, those men that they killed the boy, mm -hmm. they pleaded not guilty yeah. to second-degree murder. All five of them. How how do you... Well, nowadays, even if you've got a video of them doing it, they can, they can plead not guilty. Doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's, that's not me. Well, it's clearly you, you nut. Yeah, because the one guy took pictures of him and sent it out. Yeah, so how can you... But that's our system. But this system's existed for a long time. We actually took our judicial system and mirrored it, tweaked it a little bit, but we mirrored it on the Roman system of government and system of judge. Now we see that maybe it needed a little bit more tweaking. Yeah, they, need to, they need to start cutting hands off when people steal or a foot off when you do something. I have no problem with that. I mean, my uncle was in um, the Air Force back in the 70s. And he was uh, stationed in Egypt, and he witnessed a public hanging of a man that he murdered. I don't know who it was he murdered or whatever he was, but he witnessed the public hanging. Well, there, there'll be people tell you that that's not a deterrent for crime, that that doesn't stop future crimes. But what it does do is stop that individual from committing crime again. Mm -hmm. There's no repeat offenders after that. I think there needs to be some capital punishment, mm -hmm. but... It should be very limited, of course. I mean, we shouldn't kill somebody for stealing a bag of potato chips. But back home in Tennessee, they allow certain prisoners to go out and fight forest fires or help fight forest fires. There's always guards, and there's always a state forest worker with a certain number of guard, or prisoners. My dad happened to be with some of those prisoners, and he just got to talking to them while they were out fighting the fire. What are you in for? This guy told my dad, and my dad's a pretty good judge, was a pretty good judge of character, that he got 20 years for stealing bread and something to eat because his family was hungry. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Now, that is ridiculous. But I do believe, I don't believe in stealing, okay? I do not. I don't think that the end justifies the means. And the means does not justify the ends. But there should be... All he be, had to do was ask your daddy and he would have given it to Exactly, him. but he may not have been from around that area. But still, there ought to be some way to not put somebody away for 20 years for stealing food. Let them work it off. I have no problem with that. We used to have the chain gangs. Oh, well, that yeah. was cruel and unusual punishment. I grew up, we always had the chain yeah. gangs. You saw them cleaning the roadside with uh -huh. sling blades and picking up trash. But that's cruel and unusual punishment. How? We had a working farm 
uh, judicial system in Tennessee had a working farm. It was for the juveniles. And you would, the juveniles would learn how to grow crops. They would learn to weld. They would learn maintenance and mechanics and stuff like that. They closed the farm because, well, it was cruel and unusual to make them work for their food. That's the problem now. <laughs> I have to work to for work. my food. <laughs> yeah. We all have to. That's what we're saying. Seriously. Oh, that's cruel. Seriously. They, that was why they closed that farm. That's sick. Because it was cruel and unusual to make those young people learn how to farm. I bet you if you go back and speak with them, I bet they'll be grateful that they learned. The ones that got to, the ones that didn't, they're repeat offenders. I'm sorry, they are. And a lot of the others were too, don't get me wrong. But at least some of the ones that did get out and stayed out, they had a skill. I knew the, I knew the welder, the instructor. This guy could weld anything. You could give him two somethings and it would make one. He was amazing. I knew the, uh, the mechanic that taught mechanics. He was amazing. He could take a pile of junk and make a running car. He was, a, he was really a weird thing to watch him work. These kids, they learned. They don't now. No, they don't. Why? Because it's cruel and unusual. Makes well, you don't wonder. even spank your child. <laughs> we don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Therefore, the law is slacked. Habakkuk is seeing this 600 years before Christ was born. He's seeing that the law is slacked. Judgment doth never go forth. In the eyes of man, and Habakkuk especially, the law was not in favor of justice. The law was the golden rule. Not what the golden rule we grew up on, but the golden rule that says he who's got the gold makes the rules. Still in place today. The evil surrounds the righteous and the righteous doesn't understand, nor do they see a way out. All the righteous knows is oppression and persecution. Even the law of God has been disregarded and being paid no attention to the, to the much of the people. No one's listening. Churches today are falling away. We've got churches right now within just a rock's throw of this place that doesn't have a pastor. And we've got pastors within a rock's throw of this place that don't have churches. Because there's been this great falling away. Now, I'm not going to say that everybody that calls himself a pastor or calls herself a pastor, don't want to appear sexist this morning, but I have no problem with a female preacher, a female pastor. I don't. I don't see an issue with that. If you do, then okay, we'll disagree about it later. But they, not everyone that calls himself a pastor really are pastors. Not everybody that calls himself preachers are really preachers. Not everybody that calls himself a teacher is really a teacher. It depends on what they're teaching, what they're preaching, what they're pastoring. We've got individuals right now that's pretty much up at a podium or soon will be saying anything goes. The reason why the countries went the way the countries went is because the churches went that way first. There's no checks and balances. Oh, well, people will tell you that there is supposed to be a separation of church and state. Yeah, but do you understand what that actually truly means? 
Separation of church and state was written in our Constitution and by our forefathers to uh, let the state know that they can't tell us what religion to have, what church to go to, and who to worship. That's why it was written in there. You go back and you look at the original writings and you use the original laws to decipher the original writings, and that's what you come up with. What we're trying to do now is take our today's culture, and we're trying to force it on 200, 300 years ago when these things was being written. It doesn't work that way. I can't take today's culture and force it into the scriptures. I can take today's culture and see it mimicked or see the original version of that folly of that fallacy I can see that already we're reading about it in Habakkuk we read about it in Hosea we read about it in Jonah we've read about it in every one of the minor prophets but we tend to use today's culture and that's a problem with revelation we use today's knowledge and today's thought process to try to interpret revelation we need to go back to the original and interpret it from the original what does it really mean? Why did they write it this way? Why did the forefathers write separation of church and state? They came from a place, England, that the king said, you will be Orthodox Church of England. You will worship the Pope, or you will worship this, or you will go here, you will go there, you will do what I tell you to do instead of do what God told us to do. That's why the church, that statement is in there. Separation of church and state. It's so the state doesn't tell us when, when and where to go. So we need more church in state. We need more pure Christians running for office and, and sit in there going, uh, excuse me, but that's wrong. Now, are we going to get that? No, we're not. And the reason why... It's because churches are represented by weak, washed up, and watered down material. Had we continued to preach heaven sweet and hell hot and not gotten into this, well, you, you can't say that. It's liable to offend someone. Poo poo. Sometimes you got to be offended. And if you don't want, if you don't want to be offended, don't have children. Because they'll say things that'll hurt your feelings in a heartbeat. <laughs> don't have grandchildren. They'll say things that'll hurt your feelings in a heartbeat. Be an only child. Because your siblings are going to do the same to you. And I love my siblings. Don't get me wrong. But we see Habakkuk. We see him looking through his eyes, but we're looking through our eyes. We're seeing the same picture. It's only worse now. The law is slack. Judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass of the righteous, and therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. I think it's amazing that the Supreme Court just recently said, you know, abortion shouldn't be on our level. Roe versus Wade should have never have come this far. And they pushed it down to the states and said, states, you handle it because... It's your business. It's not federal business. And the whole world went crazy. Oh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. It was just pushed down to the states. 
Now, do I believe in abortion? No, I do not. But it's on a state level. It's not on a federal level. Homosexual marriage should never have went to the state, or never went, should have went to the federal level. It should have never went to the Supreme Court. Do I believe in homosexual marriage? No, I do not. I, however, do say, if you can find somebody that will marry you, that's on you and them. It's not on me. I don't agree with it. It should have never been federal. It should stay state. Even further down, it should have stayed city, county, municipality, township. But it should have started in the church because we quit preaching about sin. We quit telling people, I'm sorry, if you sin, you're not going to make it. We all sin, but we get repentance. We get pardoned. Those that don't, they're not going to make it. And that's the simple truth. Reading the scriptures, we know that it's only going to get worse. It is. It's only going to get worse until a point comes when Christ says enough is enough. When will that happen? I don't know, and no one else does. Guess what? Jesus doesn't even know. He's not told when he's coming back yet. He will be told the moment that he's coming back. God will say, enough is enough. Go get my children, bring them home. Jesus says, yes, Daddy, I'm on the way. And he'll split the eastern sky. So even Christ doesn't know what day that will be. Only God the Father. He awaits his orders. He awaits his orders. Nobody can tell you. Now, somewheres today, right this minute, somebody has died. They've met Jesus. Did they meet Jesus and was ready? Did they meet Jesus and not ready? Did they not meet Jesus because they weren't ready, because their preacher didn't preach the right message? That's the sad part. If they've sat in church and was not ready to go, it's on them, but it is also on that Sunday school teacher. It is also on that preacher. If that preacher or that Sunday school teacher has said heaven's sweet and hell is hot and told you the way, then it's no longer on that individual. It's all 100% on that person. And then if a daughter or a son or a wife or whatever goes to hell and the father and the husband didn't do his job, on them as well sorry it's that's just the way it is no I'm not sorry that's the way God ordained it that's up to them we see though that justice is is uh, skewed even in our world verse 5 behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe Though it be told you. Behold, I'm going to do something. It's going to stagger your mind. It's going to boggle you down. You won't believe it. Even though you were told that it was going to happen, you still won't believe it. Have we just went through something like that? Here in America, in the world? We've known about pandemics for hundreds of years. 
1917, we had the Spanish flu pandemic. People wore masks back then. They didn't quarantine themselves, but they wore masks. So we knew about pandemics. We knew that it was going to come. It blew our mind when it came. What else is blowing our mind even though we've been told? The crime, the sin, the way of the world, the way of the church. We was told this was going to happen. We shouldn't be, oh my gosh, wow, I can't believe. No, we knew it was coming. Maybe not this fast. I never thought I'd see America be where America's at in my lifetime. I'm a product of the late 60s and the 70s. This was not supposed to happen before I died, before my generation passed away. But here we are. Yep. They say we're in the generation that will not see death. That's what we're living in now. It's very possible. Tradition says that the generation that started Israel will, will not see death. Well, they were founded in 1948. Those individuals are getting older. I'll just put it that way. That's a tradition. That is not in the scriptures anywhere. That's just tradition. Is that a true tradition? I don't know. Very possible it could be. I'm not sure. But I never thought I'd see America come where America's at. When I was a kid in the 70s, America was well thought of. Admired, you respected. You didn't have to lock your doors at night. You could leave your windows open. No, I grew up. Night. We didn't lock yeah, them. No, we didn't either. Of course, now I grew up in a 7,000 acre forest. No <laughs> one was around. So, you know, you could stole the whole house before anybody caught you. But here we are, the laughing stock of the world. Why? The true reason is not because of politics. The true reason is because we have forgotten God. When he, he told us, he who blesses Israel we just flat will be blessed. And, and I know somebody will question me on that. Actually, it's he who blesses Abraham will be blessed. He who curses Abraham will be cursed. But who is Abraham? But the father of Israel. So he who blesses Israel is blessed. He who curses Israel is cursed. He gives us favor. If we are his, he gives us favor with man. If we're not his, he takes away the favor of man. Where is America? We don't have favor of man anymore, so therefore we have left God. And now we are the laughing stock of the country, of the world. It's not the politics. It's the fact that we, as a whole, has determined that we don't need God. God is not obligated to answer our questions, and he was not obligated to answer Habakkuk's questions. But just as a good father does, God answered Habakkuk's charge of indifference, insensitive, and lackadaisical approach of God. He told Habakkuk that he was among the heathen and to watch what he was about to do to the sin that was permeating the world and the idolatry that the people were engaging in in Israel. God tells Habakkuk that he is not going to believe what is about to happen, 
even though God was going to tell them all about it. I'm going to let you know what I'm about to do, and it's going to confound you. It's going to amuse you. It's going to just make you wonder, how can this happen, God? God will tell us, to a point, what he's about to do in our life, but most often we tell him, what? How? That's impossible. What's impossible for God? Nothing. Nothing. Well, I know somebody will come up and say, well, it's impossible for God to make a rock so large that even he can't lift it. Why would God want a rock so large that even he couldn't lift it? And I was literally asked that question one time. Well, can God make a rock so big? Think about the question. It's an unanswerable question. If you say that God can make a rock so large that even he couldn't lift it, then you're giving limitations to God. If you're saying that God can't make a rock so big that he can't lift it, then you're giving limitations to God. So it's unanswerable. My question was, why He's did he want to? He's already made rocks bigger and weak in there. We can lift, but the, the, he can still hold them in the palm oh, of yeah. his hand. He does. What, what would he need a rock so large that even he couldn't lift it? It would be useless. And the individual that asked me that question stopped and looked at me. They had never been responded to in that res respect. And they looked at me and they scratched their heads. And they walked away. Now, that wasn't a Robert knowledge. That wasn't Robert wisdom. God gave me that wisdom to confound the, the, the foolish. Just like the young man that I sat down to eat lunch with one day, he invited me, and he looked over as I walked away. He said, oh, I've done it now. I've invited the preacher to sit down with us. <laughs> so I went and got my lunch. This was at work. And I'm sitting there, and this guy looks at me in a very harsh tone. Now, this guy's a very large individual. In a very harsh tone, I've got a question. Okay, ask your question. You ain't going to like it. I don't know if I like it or not. I don't know. I've not heard your question. What if you're wrong? Okay, that's actually a very good question. And I called him by name. And he stopped and he looked at me and went, everybody else that I've ever asked gets mad at me for asking that question. I said, I don't, because that's a very good question. Let me see. What if I'm wrong? And what he was asking is, what if I'm wrong? What if there is no God? What if there is no afterlife? And I looked at him and I went, let me think for a second. What if I'm wrong? What have I missed? That's right. What have I missed living as a Christian? Right. I don't take drugs. Don't drink alcohol. Don't run around on my wife, mainly because I'm afraid of her. <laughs> it's the quiet ones that you got to worry about. I've got a good job. I've got a good family. I'm what you would consider very blessed. What if I'm wrong? What have I missed? Absolutely nothing. If there is nothing else, I go to my grave happy and content with no regrets. What if I'm wrong? Nothing. 
Then as I got up to leave, I looked at him, put my hand on his shoulder. As I walked by him, I said, but what if you're wrong? What have you missed? About two or three weeks after that little dinner, this very large individual hollered at me from across the parking lot at the plant we was working at. Robert Sapp, I hate you. I was walking with another friend. I went, I'm going to go find out why he hates me. He said, I don't know if I'd go over there, man. He's, he's kind of big. I went, ah, it's all right. Security's here. They'll, they'll either shoot me or, and protect him or they'll protect me and shoot him. One of the two is going to happen. Somebody's going to get shot. Don't know who, but somebody will get shot. If they shoot me, they'll put me out of my misery. So I walk over and I call him by name and I went, okay, why do you hate me? And he said, I can't get those words out of your, out of your, I can't get your words out of my mind. What words? What if you're wrong? He said, I wake up, I hear your voice saying, what if I'm wrong? I go to bed, I hear your voice saying, what if I'm wrong? I get up, I work around the plant, I hear, what if I'm wrong? I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, Easter morning, I went to the altar. I now know I'm not wrong. Praise God. He's still following God. He's still following God. One of his friends that was sitting at the table came by me a little later. And I, this is not patting me on the back, guys, okay? Came by me a little later and said, wow. You made a difference in his life. I said, no, God made a difference in his life. I just happened to be the, you know, the postal delivery service. I got to deliver the message. That's it. And I looked at him and I grinned and I said, you're next. <laughs> he said, what? I said, you're next. He said, oh, dear heavens. So a few weeks later, he comes to me. Me and him had been talking. He come to me. He said, okay, you're like a dog on a bone. You can quit gnawing now. Another guy comes up. After that, he went to the he went to the altar. He accepted the Lord. He's still serving God. But the other third guy that was sitting there come up to me and said, "I'm already a Christian. Don't harass me." <laughs> I went, I "Don't harass nobody." But what if they're wrong? They missed everything. They missed heaven. Now you know, praying to God to keep out of hell. That's a big reason, and that's an okay reason. But there's more to it than just that. There's not just to keep out of hell, but to get into heaven. And you know, wherever Christ is at, that's where I want to be. No matter. So yeah, we live in a crooked and a vile world. There's no question about that. This is a crooked and a vile world. But the Holy Spirit's still moving. He's still here. And as long as he's here, there will be a remnant of people here that's willing to stand up and say, what if you're wrong to the world? So what we've got to do is we've got to be the postal delivery service. We've got to just deliver the message. That's it. That's all we get to do. That's all we have to do. And that right there is a blessing in disguise. Well, I can't talk. Maybe you don't have to. Live it. Live it. Maybe you just have to say, what if you're wrong? You never know. What if it's a hug? Somebody needs a hug. What if it's a smile? What if they're looking? There is a, a new, 
I guess you could say it's a movie, but it's about a movement. It's called Jesus Revolution. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's all about this this revival that's taken place all across the land. And one of the narrators on that has said something that just blew me away when I really stopped and thought about it. One of these days you're going to realize that there is an entire generation of people looking, looking for what they need. But they're looking in the wrong place. It's our job to show them the right place to look. Watching the movement of no, I have not. I've heard about it, but I did not. I've not been following it. It started in Ashbury College. It has went all over the country, and it's young people getting together. It started with a prayer group, and it has just blew up all over. The prayer group started months ago. It's still going. It is still going. From what I understand, it goes twenty four seven. Non-stop. Somebody always is in praying and talking to God. And, and it is just blowing the campuses up. And it's amazing. I pray that it was spread through the secular colleges, not just the Bible colleges. Yes. All the colleges. I pray it spreads through the churches. Yes. And I'm sorry, but that's we're missing it. It's the fire, the fire from heaven. Because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to preach it. Not here. Oh, well, let's have a revival. It'll start on Thursday and on Sunday. Revival should never end. Right. It should start, but it should never end. Sure, you have bad days. Yesterday was mine, by the way. Bad day. You have bad days. You have times where you just want to you know, rip somebody's head off, scream down the hole. That's human. That's flesh. That don't mean the revival stopped. The revival still goes. Guys, I, I'm so far off the lesson, I don't know where I'm at. But hopefully hopefully it's what God wanted, okay? Revival needs to start today here in each and every one of us. And it never needs to stop. I used to sit and watch my father after my mom passed, and even before my mom passed, he would take and he would sit down with his Bible and he would read and he would read. Mom read her Bible end to end multiple times. She read a chapter a night, never failed. Didn't matter what time of night we got in, before she went to bed, she read a chapter of her Bible. She wore the cover off of her Bible. The only thing that held her Bible together was a uh, cross-stitch Bible cover that my wife made her after she and I got married. But my dad would sit at the end of his table, and he would read, and he would read, and he would read. He might read one verse. He might read five chapters. He just would read. And I would sit back, and I would watch him. And tears would be flowing out of my dad's eyes while he read the, the Bible. And every once in a while, he'd look up and he'd look over at me and go, wow, that's amazing. Now, my dad died at 19, when he was 90 in the year 2015. My dad was 90 years old. He died in the dementia. And before the end, he did not read his Bible. He couldn't. But he would get all upset and frustrated and just get, you know, as dementia patients do, 
And I would take the Bible and I would open it up if I was there and I would start in the book of Psalms, just somewhere, and I would read. And my wife would sing and my dad would just calm down. There is something to the power of the word. It wasn't my voice. It was the word that was doing it. And it's going all over the world. All over the world in churches like this. But there are members in churches like this that have no clue that there is a revival that wants to break out in their life. We need to allow it to break out in your life. Don't ask me why I'm saying this, okay? I have no clue. I would not be surprised if today's message is on revival. If it is, I don't know it, okay, in advance. I do not know what the pastor is going to preach about. I never do, but I have noticed over the years that a lot of things that we talk about back here, he preaches about up there. It's amazing, and it shouldn't be because it's all God-ordained. We get, oh, wow, look, it's a miracle. Well, didn't you pray for it? Why get excited? I mean, get excited, but why marvel that it happened? At my dad's funeral, again, I'm not patting myself on the back. Don't get me wrong. But at my dad's funeral, it was raining the day that we was going to bury We put him in a hearse, and we're driving up the mountain, and it's raining like nobody's business. My brother is in the car, the only brother I have. You met him last, uh, last month. He was here up until last week. And I looked up and I went, Lord, I would appreciate it if you'd hold the rain back until we could get Dad buried, until the end of the service. My brother just kind of looked over at me like, yeah, right. We get to this graveside. Rain stops. The rain stops. We bury my dad. We, we finish the service. Still no rain. It's muddier in all Dickens, but it's no rain. And somebody, my brother told somebody, and they went, wow, man, that's awesome. I went, no, it's not, but there's a problem. Service is over. All I asked for him to do was to hold the rain back until after the service was over. My cousin looked at me and said, boy, you need to learn how to pray better. <laughs> We got wet before we got back to the church for the, you know, they always have the feeding of the family and stuff. We got wet because it started raining again. God will give us what we ask for a lot of times. We just got to be careful what we ask for. You have to be careful what you And ask. you have to be specific. There's nothing wrong with praying specific prayers. Now, if you're praying, God, let me win the lottery. That's a little ridiculous. That's praying amiss. Especially if you don't buy the ticket. Okay, if you pray, Lord, let me win the lottery, and you've never bought a ticket, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Lord, give me that brand new Corvette. Eh, the, who cares about the Corvette? Lord, just keep my car running, please. Yes. But I think praying about a revival uh, is so necessary. It is. Um, and I think it should be an urgent cry for the gray heads as well as the young. I think sometimes we we look at it and, and we marvel because God is using young people. Yeah. But I think that the day should be upon us that God break out revival um, in us all. And and the gray heads lead the way. Yeah. Can they can be that instrument that God used to, to lead the way. 
when I see a problem with churches these days is the elderly, those that have been, not, not the old physical, physical age, but those that's been serving the Lord a long time, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, they're not reaching their hand back for the people that's just now coming up and serving the Lord. They're not saying, here, let me walk beside of you. Let me guide. We are to be the teachers and the guides for those that are coming up behind us. I've often said, and you've heard the preacher also say, we can get you to the altar, but we tend to want to leave you there. But that's where we need the older ones that has served the Lord the longest. We need to step up and go, here, let me take you by the hand, because you're going to need it. The storm's coming. It's going to hit you hard. How do we know? Because it hit us. So, well, it does. It does. And, you know, it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. But those of us that's been serving the Lord a long time, we should be willing to reach back and teach the younger generation that's coming up. Not just, you know, it, it talks about the ladies, the women teaching the youngers, and the men teaching the boys. I'm here to tell you that Women, I think ladies, girls, are born with an innate knowledge of how to be a woman. Boys are not born with that knowledge of how to be a man. We have to be taught. And if we don't have a good role model to teach us, we turn out to be a thug. That's just my thought. Now, it doesn't have to be another guy. It could be a woman that teaches. I had a good friend whose mom... His dad passed away at a young age. His young, he was real young. He was six or seven. His mother taught him how to be a gentleman. She done a wonderful job. There was never another guy. But it helps if it's a guy teaching a young boy. But we don't. We have to be careful who we want to, uh, as the old mountain people would say, hitch our wagon to. Because we hitch our wagon to the wrong pony. It's not going to end well. We've got to hitch our wagon to the right pony. So I, I encourage you, if you've been serving the Lord a long time, be willing to be a mentor, to be a teacher, to be a, a, a personal. I, I started out with a, a prayer buddy. Be a prayer buddy for a young person. Not physically young, but just starting out in the Lord young. They need it. They need it. And we need each other. We need to be each other's mentor. We need to be each other's prayer buddy. We need to be each other's sounding board, lean post. Everybody needs somebody to lean on on occasion. I don't care how strong you are. When I was first, when I was first saved, I was told that this was the, the first few months would be the wedding mm -hmm. uh, honeymoon. And then after that, you're going to get it. <laughs> the bill comes due for the wedding. And it, it was true. It didn't last for a, a month for me after I come to know the Lord. All, all hell broke loose. I'll be honest with you. It did. The storms came. And there was nobody. Now, my wife, thank God my wife was a long-time Christian. By the time I met her, I was able to say, okay, what the devil what is going on? So I had her 
and I'm not throwing rocks at my in-laws. Don't get me wrong. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law, awesome people. But there was nobody there to mentor me. My dad had already quit serving the Lord. My brother wasn't serving the Lord at the time. If it hadn't been for Lynn, I probably would have given up a long time ago. But I didn't give up because I'm afraid of her. No, I'm just kidding. You love the Lord. God's good to us. I apologize. We got to verse 6. I apologize that we didn't get any further. But I believe what was said needed to be said for either somebody in the room or for myself or somebody watching or will be watching. Don't ever apologize for that because that's why we're here. We're trying to learn from each other. And I'll be honest with you, I've been, I've been dealing with that quite a bit here lately, spiritually. I know I'm not mentoring like I should. Guys, I've been through a lot in 30 years. I have walked a lot of different paths in 30 years, and I've been hit with some massive storms. Still standing only because of God. Not because of me, but because of God. But I should be willing to reach out and say, okay, let's talk. Let's talk. What's your questions? And, you know, a young convert doesn't have enough knowledge to have questions. So don't get frustrated if you go to a young convert and go, what you need to know? Well, I don't know enough to need to know anything. So don't get frustrated. Just be there for them. Open yourself up. Make yourself available. The pastor and I have talked for years. I continue to talk that as young converts come up, I think there needs to be a class, a Christian. I call it Christianity 101. I don't know what else to call it. But I think there needs to be a class. And that's something that he and I are continuing to talk about. I'm, I'm not saying I'm the one to teach it. I just think somebody needs to for young converts. I think it's absolutely valuable that that happens uh, because otherwise they're like sitting ducks. Exactly. And the enemy would just, it's just a matter of time if he gets to them in a, such a way that Exactly. Now I know a lot of Christians, oh you just need you just need Jesus. Well you do just need Jesus. Yes, I agree. But you also need somebody to say, Help, pray for me. I'm having a really bad day. I want to kill someone. That was me yesterday. Go for it. No, go. We're running out of time. I uh, work with a guy who had a, he's a Christian. He had a bad day with the owner of the company. And um, there were some words that was exchanged. And I'm so sure he wound up throwing a didn't move right away, but then they, they kept increasing. So I, t I called them, I said, let's go out and have lunch. Um, and the day we went out, which was Friday, I didn't know it was his birthday. And so, um, so I treated him 
and he said to me, he said, did you hear about what happened? And did the owner tell you? I said, yeah, we told him. And I said, but I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to um, ridicule you. I did not here to take sides. Uh, I'm just here to encourage you not to um, let that cause you walk away from that. Exactly. I'm just here to be a brother to encourage I hope you didn't let him have a coke for lunch. No, he didn't okay. have a coke for lunch. Okay. He, just thought I'd he mention had that. Uh, uh, tea and lemonade. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not allowed around cokes. Anyway, he, uh, I think you're right. We 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 are so easy to write somebody off if they have a bad day. Yeah. Instead of loving them because we all have bad days. And I didn't, no, no, you're fine, bro. We all have our bad moments. And if we don't have somebody there that we can say, okay, help, or let me talk through this. And the beautiful thing was, Friday was such a great day for me. I mean, Friday was awesome. It was. It was, even though I was on the road. It was awesome. I just had a great day Friday and Saturday came, and it was all the opposite side. And I'm like, why? But I, I understand why. But would a young Christian understand why? Probably not. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Any other comments, questions, concerns? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord. Let the music be especially pleasing under your ears, Lord, and anoint the, the lips of the messenger as he brings forth your message, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll also anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen.